As we mentioned earlier in the assembly this uh, this morning, um, you know, this is a time of year where uh, most of the world tips its hat towards uh, towards Christianity. People uh, are celebrating Christmas, uh, and it's an opportunity for us to uh, to tell that story, that incredible story, which is what we're going to do throughout the month of December. And what we'd like to do is challenge you to bring as many people as possible. Invite your friends. Uh, invite them to one of our assemblies or to all of them in December. And what we want to do is we want to bless them with just a telling of the story. And to get you excited about that, we want you to look up here at the screen. We have a video that we'd like to show you. We're going to do the uh, incarnation celebration in December, and hopefully this will get excited about, uh, for you to tell the story of the, uh, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. It just chokes you up, doesn't it? Thank you, Richard, for putting uh, together that video. Uh, we're going to get into the lesson right now, and uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. <clears throat> oh, Father, you're so magnificent to us. And our gratitude is, is so far below what it is that we have been blessed with, but we extend it to you, Father. And not only our lust, our, our, our love, but our trust of your word and your presence, your promises. And we ask, Father, as we, we think about this message this morning, that you will open our eyes and our ears in such a way that we not only learn and know, but discern and to put into practice and become wise. 
when it comes to worry. And this we ask in the name of Jesus. And everyone said. Uh, you know what we're doing right now? We are getting ready for December in November. That's what we've been working on all month. December, as you know, is kind of a mixed bag for a lot of people. The holidays are a time of joy mixed with stress and worry. We talked a little bit uh, the last couple of weeks about that Goldman Sachs study uh, last year that came out and said 53% of all Americans are worried about money and spending and all of that, not just around uh, the entire year, but especially at the end of the year. And 23% said they get stressed out about the family and the relationships and, and they get anxious as they think about all of the people that are going to be crammed under their roof. And 23% are concerned about all that weight they're going to gain. So we're going to spend November getting ready for December. We're going to prepare ourselves spiritually, and we're going to have words of wisdom to share with the people around us. And last week we finished a mini-series where we were talking about material blessings. And you'll remember that the big idea, the big takeaway from those two sermons on finances and money was this. The human heart works best when it loves God above the rest. Let's say that together. The human heart works best when it loves God above the rest. Material blessings like money will never take the place of God, that God-shaped hole in your heart. Money will always be an unworthy rival to God. Now this morning, I want to change gears just a little bit. I want to talk about a stress. I want to talk about worry. This morning, I'm going to talk about worry in general. And then next week, we want to talk specifically about relational stress. And so let's begin with this truth. This is where we're going to jump into this series. Here it is. Worry is alive and well in the United States. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, of course we do. Here are some facts, though. Time Magazine, May 2018. Worry is on the rise. 40% of your fellow Americans, your citizens, people in, in this congregation, 40% in 2018 said that they felt more stressed in 2018 than they did in 2017. It's on the rise. Gallup, poll that was uh, published in the New York Times April of this year, where they had researched 150,000 people around the world, the, the findings, America is the most stressed nation in the world. And you know what's ironic about that? That was when the economy was roaring. I mean, there was more and more money coming in. But money will never take the place of God in our hearts. And we are, according to the people at Gallup, uh, researching all the way around the world, we are the most stressed nation in the world. Worry and anxiety are a big deal, and they seem to ramp up at the end of the year. Those end-of-the-year holidays, the season to be merry becomes the season to worry. Now, it's right here I want to give you a definition of worry. It's not going to be a DSM-3 clinical kind of a definition. It's more of an experiential, descriptive definition. This is what worry feels like. Worry is the uneasy sense of being mastered by circumstances rather than Christ. It is the uneasy sense. You're beginning to feel a little worry, a little stress, that sense of being uneasy because you're, you sense you're being mastered by circumstances rather than Christ. I want you on your outlines there to circle that word master. Reasons to worry, quite frankly, will continually present themselves to our hearts and our minds, our souls, in a fallen world. There's always going to be a reason, the temptation to worry about things. Sick children, sick economies, sick relationships, uh, sick politics. A lady by the name of Laura Turner describes it 
as this anxiety and this stress as living at the intersection of uncertainty and powerlessness. Some of you know what she's talking about. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus hates worry. In fact, that is the big takeaway. If you want to write something down in your outline and think about it for the rest of the day, it's this. Jesus hates worry. He doesn't hate worriers. He loves worriers, but he hates worry. And there are a lot of reasons for that. When we begin to worry, what happens to our faith? We begin to second-guess God. Worry confuses us as to who is continually going to be in control of the future. Worry can make you feel like you're being strangled and choked. And you feel that anxiety and that panic coming on and you feel like you're being choked. You can't breathe. And it can bend and twist you away from God. A fellow by the name of John Guest says, Why pray when you can worry? Intuitively, we know this to be true. Let me ask you two questions. We know this to be true intuitively. Question one. Has anyone enhanced their life, enriched their life, made their life better, added years by worry? No. Question number two. Has anyone felt their life diminished by worry? You ever felt like you just took some years off of your life because of the degree of worry and stress that had come into your life? All of us have felt that. I mean, we get it. Worry is not good, and that is why... Like the issue of money, Jesus and others teach a lot about it throughout the writings of the New Testament. And what we're going to do this morning, we want to look at Jesus' sermon on worry. It's over in uh, Matthew chapter 6. It's the text that Mark read to us just a couple of minutes ago. But you'll notice in the text, if you were paying attention to it, that Jesus says three times in verses 25, 31, and 34, He says three words. Guess what they are? Do not worry. Say it with me, do not worry. Those are the words of Jesus. You'll remember if you've, um, maybe, you know, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, or older, there was a fellow by the name of Bob Newhart, had a show, did a lot of comedy sketches. There was one that he did in particular where he was a counselor, and uh, he's, uh, he's sitting at his desk. woman comes in. He says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you. You know, what seems to be the problem? She sits down at his desk and says, well, I just have a fear of being buried alive. And he goes, What's that feel like? And she goes, well, I hate it. It feels like, like, uh, like stress and anxiety. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you two words. Stop it. And she looks at him and goes, well, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, how, how's that work? And he goes, well, has anybody ever tried to bury you alive? And she says, no. And he goes, and so it's really just a feeling. Nobody's tried to do this. Nobody's tried to bury you alive. You just feel it. She goes, yeah, I feel it all the time. And he looks at her and he says two words, stop it. And so this is not what Jesus is saying in this text. Even though he says do not worry, he gives us two very practical ways to, to, to work on the worry that we have. Now, first statement I'm going to give you, a little bit awkward, but maybe that will help you remember it. The first thing he teaches in this text is you locate your life in the reality of God and not in human perceptions. You locate your life in the reality of God and not in human perceptions. Now, we live in a world where everybody knows perception is reality. But here's the thing. You know what perception is? Perception is what you see until you see something else. Perception is what you see until you open your eyes wider and you see something else. And so Jesus begins his sermon with these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your, say it, life, what you will eat and what you will drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now Jesus is addressing some people in northern Israel during that first century period of time who are struggling with the necessities of life. During this time where he's talking about these specific things, things like food and clothing were not abundant. They were not easily accessible. Life in northern Israel, you know, throughout the entire country, but especially in that northern section where he grew up, life was not easy. And it did not appear to be getting better because Rome did not look like it was going to be uprooted from the land anytime soon. And then on top of that, the, la- the, the people themselves, the, the land of Israel, the, the people of Israel were more fragmented religiously than they had ever been in their, in their history. And people were worried. And they're looking at the big world out there, and they're seeing Rome, and they're seeing you know, the, the, the poverty, and they're seeing how hard life is, and, and they're not seeing anything getting better. And they wonder, how is my life going to fit into that big kind of a world? And Jesus says, just open your eyes. Just open your eyes. He says in verse 26, look. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or uh, store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he goes from look in verse 26 to the word see in verse 28. See how the flowers of the field grow. And what is it that he wants them to see? He knows what's going on in their heart, and he's saying, look, behold, see, take a look. Observe, look around you. What is it that he wants them to see? Now there's a hint in, in, in both of these things. It is God loves and takes care of birds, and God loves and takes care of plant life. Now here is the new perception of reality located in God. Verse 26, are you not more valuable than they? If that is how, Jesus says, God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He's saying, you know, there's a lot of worry that you're going through in life because you don't realize how much you matter to God. God takes care of birds and He takes care of plant life. But you, you, made in His image, you matter to God. And that is the, the, the reality that we locate our life in, that God sees and God knows and He cares and that we matter to Him. And then the second thing he says is stop running and start seeking. Now when it comes to important things in life, the typical human response is to run down those things. I mean, we will chase, we will sprint, we will pursue them. And the question is this, what happens when we chase down and run after the things that those who do not follow God at the same time chase down and pursue and run after and sprint after? What happens? The answer is that we give God a vote of no confidence. We are saying to God, we know you, but we don't trust you. That is one of the most harsh, one of, one of the hardest things to hear in this life is that somebody i know you but i have absolutely no confidence in you i know you but i don't trust you and jesus is saying you matter to god and you see the example of god taking care of birds and plants and trees and the world continues to spin stop running and start seeking him 
So in verse 33, he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And so at the first part of that, he says, you know, you matter to God. You matter to God. But another big question is whether or not God matters to you. And that's the second practical thing that he says. And that is, make God matter to you. Pursue God. Go after God. Chase down God. You know, when I was in college, I was roofing houses uh, at the end of undergraduate, beginning of graduate school, I was roofing houses. And, and part of the job was to load the roof with shingles on those houses out there in West Texas. Uh, we were a small company. We did not have a lot of equipment. There weren't a lot of guys that were working for us. And so back in the 1980s, the way that you got shingles up on a roof is you carried them up a ladder. And what you did is, you know, the truck was loaded down with, with these bundles of shingles. You'd pick one up or two of them up, and you'd walk about halfway, three-quarters of the way up the roof on that ladder. And the next thing, you know, here's a guy reaching down, and you just throw that bundle, or if there's two, you hand them up to him, and then you go back down, and going down was always so much easier than going up, right? These days, when I read this verse out of 1 Peter chapter 5, I think of those days. Peter says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then hear these words, cast all your anxiety on him. Just go up that ladder and hand them to him. Cast all your anxiety on him, say these last five words with me, because He cares for you. You know, the guy who wrote those words was a man by the name of Peter who lived with Jesus consistently and constantly for, for three years, and he had seen Jesus in every kind of circumstance. And the thing about Peter is that because of his closeness to Jesus, he got to see some things that, that Jesus didn't reveal to anybody else. And, and in those moments... Peter got to see and would never forget what it was that Jesus did when Jesus felt burdened. He prayed to God. He turned to God. Why? Because he knew that he mattered to God. And Jesus would take what had burdened him, and in prayer, he would, in a kind of a metaphorical way, he would climb that ladder and to hand it to God. And the takeaway for Peter was this, when it came to worry, when it came to anxiety, when it came to stress, when it came to whatever might be troubling his heart in a profound or not so profound way, his takeaway from the example of Jesus was this, God knows, God cares, trust God. God knows, God cares, trust God. Repeat after me. God knows. Simple. You know, but here's the deal. You know, we're human beings and our memories sometimes don't work the way that we want them to. So what's going to happen tomorrow morning? And believe me, this isn't going to happen super early, but sometime tomorrow morning, you're going to receive a text. And that text is going to say, theme of the day, God knows, God cares, trust God. And it'll be a reminder. And what we want you to do is as you're reminded that you're to God, that God knows that God cares and you're to trust God, we want you to forward that text to somebody else. 
And let's just spread the word that you matter to God and that God should matter to us. And when we find ourselves in that relationship with God, there are some really beautiful things that begin to happen on the inside of us. Our city, and you know this, our city is full of people who worry. That's what the facts say. And our experience going door to door and rubbing shoulders and eating with them and going to school with them and working with them, our, our experiential anecdotal evidence says that we are surrounded by people who are stressed out. What would it mean, church? What would it mean to this city of San Antonio to have a community of people who handle worry differently? A community that is exposed to every difficult and scary thing in life, but has a poise about them, a buoyancy, a strength, that when the bad times come and the valleys come, we don't fall into a fetal position, but we go down to our knees because we know that, uh, that we matter to God. And we're pursuing God, and we get down on our knees, and we pray to God, and we say, we know that you know, and we know that you care, and we're going to trust you. And that's one of the things that Jesus came into this world to say to all of us, is you don't need to worry. Do not worry. If you know God, do not worry because God knows and God cares, so trust God. And he sends a community of people, a people of faith, like this one right here in this room, out into the communities with the same message. That God is big. And that God knows what's going on in all of our lives. And that we matter to God. That God created the heavens and the earth and the sky, clouds. And He knows everything that's happening inside of human beings. And you trust Him. And He's going to take care of you. And you know, one of the ways that we can do that at the end of the year is to take away people's worry. Is to bless them through holiday harvest, right? And not just giving money. But, but, but taking it to their door and saying, you know, you're going to be really tempted to say thank you to me. But, you know, I didn't do this. God, God generated all of this. God generated all of this, and I'm just, I'm just the pack mule. I'm just the trafficker of his hope and his blessing to your doorstep. But God knows what it is that's going on in your life. And you can, you can, you can know that God cares for you and that you can trust him. Because we trust Him, and He's never let us down. We want to spend next week kind of taking this a little bit further and just talking about how this works when it's with people that we love and people that we know, people we work with, just all that relational stress that we get, especially with this time of year. But this morning, what we want to do is we want to ask God to bless us as we go forth as a community of faith, giving God a vote of confidence, showing that God in a very physical and tangible and in and, 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 and a very visible way, that He does, He does draw near to us and He blesses us beyond belief. Let's pray. Father, bless us to have strength to act on this knowledge that when we look around and see that the world still revolves, that You take care of birds and plants, that You will certainly take care of those who are made in Your image. We are so blessed, Father, by you. And we pray to not be cul-de-sacs, but we pray to be conduits of every blessing that comes into our lives. We pray, Father, that the people in this community who know you as Father in the way that we do grow more and more. And so give us that resolve, Father, 
to live as people without worry, surrounded by people who struggle. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's any way that we can pray for you this morning, we're going to want you to come down and talk to these shepherds as we stand and sing the next.